0: Welcome to the 10 Loans a Month podcast, where mortgage brokers become business owners. And now, your host, Ryan Wiley. Hey, Ryan Wiley here, 10 Loans a Month podcast. Let's jump into it. So, fortunately, I get to look at a lot of different angles of a lot of people's businesses, and there tends to be common themes within these businesses. People I see in the academy, people have coached, I've coached, I think over 300 mortgage brokers now. And I start to see the same things come up and up. And the questions I get from people are also the same. And so I want to share some of those questions with you. The one question I get is, what do you wish you would have known early in your career? And so I wouldn't have made a list. I made quite a long list. So I'm going to break these podcasts down into parts. We're going to have part one, two, three, four. I'll get them all into four. So today I'm going to share with you five, six, seven things, not sure, depending on the time here, of things I wish I knew earlier in my mortgage career. So you could be a realtor. Most of this will be relevant for you, and you could be in the business for 10 years. And this could still be relevant stuff to you. Okay, so let's jump into it. In no specific order, number one. I wish I had a no list earlier. What I mean by no list is these are the types of deals, the types of clients that you just should not be working with. And now if you're new to the industry, there's an argument to be made that you need to get exposure to files so you can understand what you should not want to work on, like what you like and what you don't like, the types of clients. But having said that, I think there's a caveat to that. I truly believe you should have a no list from day one if you're a new agent. And so it's just your no list will be a little different than if you were, let's say, in the business for one year. And so I'll very quickly walk you through if you're a new agent, reverse mortgages, rent to own, no construction loans, no commercial deals, no hotel condos, no lease land, no raw land, no mobile homes. There's a lot of other stuff there I think you should cut your teeth on. But oh, those, those are stuff I've all worked on. And very rarely do they ever close. Very rarely am I doing many of those deals. So I can't even reuse that knowledge or the guidelines have changed by the next time I want to do it. So I'm telling you, I wish, me personally, I built that no list because I spun my wheels on a lot of different files with a lot of different clients. And I wish I had that no list. Now I have a quite an extensive no list. i no longer broker, but When I was brokering, I had quite an extensive one. We worked with a certain type of avatar. They didn't make it onto that list. I have a referral partner that I could push them. Are you credit challenged? Great. You know what? I have an awesome partner, an extension of my business. He or she crushes like that type of business, loves it. It's what they do. They're a true expert at it. I'm going to make the introduction. Are you cool with that? Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Awesome. It's easy for your referral partner too. Why am I sending a client to you and you refer them out? Well, same thing. If I was to send you a commercial deal... You shouldn't be doing it. You do homes in Toronto, right? Why are you doing commercial? Like that's not your cup of tea, but I'm sure you know an expert. So I'd appreciate that. Same as if you introduce a client to me and they've got raw land or it's a hotel condo. Not my jam, not going to do it. Don't want to waste my time. But I know someone, I know someone. And then now you get paid 25 points. You're still seen as the expert and you can still save that referral relationship. And by you being a filter for the referral partner, them sending you that deal, they just know you can tap into your Rolodex and you got someone. Okay. So you can actually use it in your favor. That's number one. Number two, and you might hear me sniffle here. I'm powering through. I'm got a little bit of a cold. That's okay. It's a man cold. I get it. Us men, we're not as strong as women. I get it. I understand, but I'm going to power through. So number two, like I said, no specific order. I wish I hired fulfillment sooner. And so not an underwriter, I firmly believe we do not need underwriters. The average mortgage broker is a one man or one woman band. 90% of us are running a business by ourselves or with one person to help. The rest of us, if you're building a team, you have underwriters. Great. Good for you. You're on a path. You got it figured out. For us, our business was, we only dealt with A clients. We only use three lenders. I don't need an underwriter and pay for an underwriter, hire an underwriter, keep their plate full keep them happy. I don't need to pay for an underwriter because I deal with the same three lenders. I know their guidelines. That's all I ever need to know, which is why I like dealing with only a couple lenders, right? If I had a hundred leads coming in a month from all over the map, I don't want to figure it out. Sure. It'd be great to have a filter of an underwriter in there. And then you pay, you know, 70 to 120 or higher for a really good underwriter. That's not my jam. So fulfillment though, that's someone who takes the paperwork off your plate. That's somebody who takes the client journey. Once you have a commitment letter, it could even come in earlier with those pre-approval documents. But once you have a commitment letter, so you actually have an approval, you introduce fulfillment, and now they take it with the signing package. They get stuff signed. They get documents upload the portal. They satisfy conditions. They liaison with the client and the lender. They notify solicitor, make sure instructions are sent. They go through all that process along the way, and then they do your compliance. And you only jump in if there's a fire to put up. So hiring a fulfillment person, A, you can get them a lot less expensive because they don't need to know how to underwrite, right? You're going to be the main underwriter. If you choose to train them on that, great. Just keep in mind, you're going to have to compensate them more as well, which is okay. It's not the end of the world, but I think majority of us can get away with a part-time fulfillment. We can share a fulfillment person with two or three other brokers, and that would be a hire that I wish I made sooner when I made that my business. My business went from 20 million to 40 million overnight, literally overnight, like six months. I remember waking up on a Monday morning going, oh my goodness, I feel amazing. <laughs> I no longer have down payment documents to go look at. I no longer have a stack of compliance documents to go through so that I can get paid. And it just felt a lot of stress off my shoulders. And I was like, wow, now I just need to go and you know, get mortgage approvals. And then I have someone else that does all that mundane stuff, all the down payment docs, all the back and forth, all the same questions, all the handholding, all the timely emails. I'm out of it. And I can go do my thing. So that was number two. Okay. Number three, no specific order. Things I knew earlier in my career, things I wish I knew earlier in my career. Number three is you're going into a commission-based career or you're in a commission-based career. You've already been doing this for a bit. And in that comes certain stresses that the average person just does not realize. Especially the people at home, your inner circle, your spouse, your kids, your significant other, your close friends, other family members, they don't understand, most of them don't, that being an entrepreneur, that you eat what you kill, that you're 100% commission has a huge stress. And it's also a massive time commitment, especially early on, right? It is, you're still in growth mode. And so I wish earlier on in my career, I had that conversation with the people that matter to me and just let them know that, There's certain things I'm going to have to do that's going to affect the dynamic at home. That isn't the norm. And I'll give you an example of early on in my career, I was captain communication. For me to stand out, this is just what I did. I'm going to go, no one's going to have better communication than me, right? I didn't know all the products, didn't need to. That wouldn't have mattered. I wasn't the smartest guy. I just knew no one was going to have better communication. So that was my value add to referral partners, to realtors, and to clients. What that involves is there's a certain commitment with that someone calls you, I pick up. someone emails you, I get back timely. So if I'm eating dinner with the family and I need to do that, I need to do what I need to do. But I need to have the conversation with the people at the table before that. I need to make sure those people inside my inner circle understand there's a commitment here for a year, for two years that could potentially change our lives forever. But we all need to be on the same page. So the money coming in might not be consistent from day one. It's very unorthodox what we're doing. I'm going to work crazy hours. I need to make this a priority and it's a short term priority, but it's a priority in our world because if we want to be able to have this life and this relationship we want and all the nice things we want and the education we want for kids and retirement, all that, it starts somewhere. It starts here. The salary position is not going to get us there. This is hundred percent commission based or to do that. There's trade-offs in life. There's trade-offs everywhere. So I'm just letting you know, you need to be okay with that. We need to have an open conversation about it this is what it is. And we know so that I don't feel guilty or you don't feel resentment because I'm making this a priority at certain times in the day. Okay. So I wish I had that conversation early. I think you all should do that. I think you can all benefit very nicely from that. It's just one of those things that we have to do. Okay. So that's number three. Number four, no specific order. Things I wish I knew earlier in my career was to ask for the commitment. So early on, let's just say I was getting 10 leads in and I might've been closing three or four. I hired coaching during that coaching. I thought it was going to be, Hey, show me how to get 20 leads. It was like, no, let's just see what you're doing with the 10 coming in. Let's go through your process, your journey. And so we did. And we went to the discovery call. My first interaction with clients outside of an email, right? Emails your first interaction potentially. Maybe it's just answering the call and start talking. But at some point I'm talking to the client and they're trying to wrap their head around if they like me or not. And so we went through and we role-played my discovery call. And my discovery call got torn to shreds. And one of the very evident things there, I'm not going to explain everything in the discovery call. One of the big things, the big missing things was I didn't actually ask. I didn't ask, who are you working with? And at some point, like, am I your guy? I might not be on this call, but I just prep them. I'm going to ask you for a commitment at some point. So i asked ask that now. I'm not going to ask you for money. You're not going to have to sign anything. I'm going to roll my sleeves up and get to work and show you what I do. At some point, I'm going to ask you, am I your guy? And if I am, then we form a partnership and I'm going to kick ass in your corner, right? I'm going to work only for you and you'll never pay me a dollar, right? You'll never pay me a dollar, but I have your best interests at heart. You get to leverage my relationships with my lender partners. How about that? How does that sound? Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds great. Okay. So all too often early in my career, I'd get along the process with someone and we'd be Pretty deep in the process. Then all of a sudden, hey, we're going to RBC. They have this. And I was like, oh, I thought I was work. No, you never actually asked me. I didn't really commit to anything. And I just assumed because we were talking, they were reaching out. They were sending me documents. I just assumed I was their guy. So I made a big mistake, corrected it early, and it drastically changed my business. So it's something I wish I knew earlier in my career was to ask for the commitment. Okay. Number five, this is arguably the biggest mistake I made in my business. I know I said I wasn't like ranking these, but looking back, if I could go back and change one big thing, this would be it. And this is the last one for this podcast. That mistake, something I wish I knew earlier in my career was social media. So I was the guy that was like, I don't like being on social media. I don't like commenting on stuff. I feel it's very inauthentic. I actually just don't care enough about other people's lives. The little things, what they're eating for lunch, commenting, that Caesar salad looks great. Like I can't do that, but I wasn't looking at it from a different angle. The different angle of building a brand, leveraging my time, leveraging the algorithms, getting people offline into an email list, nurturing the list with webinars and follow-up drip campaigns. So looking back now, I wish I would've built a presence online and I would've put those things in play. I would have built an email list instead of trying to get someone offline who doesn't know me into an application. Not going to happen. All I'll ask them for is their email address. I want their email address. How am I going to get it? I'm going to offer a trade. I'm going to give you a PDF of something, a lead magnet, we call it. Five mortgage secrets everyone should know. Something like that. You're going to give me your email address for that. Now I've got an email address. Now I can market you behind the scenes with video. and get you into my webinar I run. I can keep hitting you with consistent, awesome value-added stuff all through video. But it all starts with getting you off social media into my email list. So I wish I would have done that. My business would have been worth a lot more, would have been a lot more sustainable. People would have got to know me a lot more before we got on that call. I wouldn't have had to rely as much on referral partners. And so that's the biggest mistake I feel I made. I missed the mark. And I see a lot of other people who jumped in. I was sort of an all-in or nothing guy. I need to do this All in, or I'm not going to do it. And I wasn't going to do it all in. So I just said, I'm not going to do anything. And it was easier for me. And I still won. I did well. But looking back, man, I wish I did that. I feel my business would have been easier to come by, even though it was still pretty easy. But I feel like it would have been worth a lot more money. Okay. So there you go. Those are my five things I wish I knew earlier in my career. This is part one of four. So please check next podcast and give you part two. Okay. If you're interested in learning, a little bit more about all these things I'm telling you, I mentioned the webinar, right? I mentioned building a drip campaign. I mentioned getting in front of realtor referral partners. Well, we teach all that in the academy. What's the academy? 10 Loans a Month Academy, 10loansamonth.com, the number 10loansamonth.com. It's an academy I started. Sorry, I didn't start. A good friend of mine, Scott Peckford, started. I coached in. I purchased it from him. I'm building this academy to something that I wish was around when I was growing my career. And so it's a big passion project of mine. It's the next phase of my career. Please go check it out. Everything I'm talking about here, we take snippets of it and we train on it in the academy. All right, thanks kids. I will see you in the next podcast. Bye. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.